Okay, welcome to another podcast from the Scheduling Institute. I'm Doug Crookston. I'm one of the clinical trainers with the Scheduling Institute, and with me is Allie. Say hello. Hello, everybody. And Allie, you are also a dental oh, hygienist. Yes. Well, right? <laughs> yes, I'm a clinical trainer as well, and I'm also a dental hygienist. I've worked in private practice and I've worked in corporate. And I've also been a sales rep. So I have done lots of things with my dental hygiene degree. Fantastic. So today, what we're going to be talking about is case acceptance. And from a hygiene standpoint, there's a few things that we definitely got to keep in mind. And not just as hygienists, but other things from assistants to doctors, things that we need to talk about today to make sure that patients understand what case acceptance is. Because I don't know about you, Allie, but in, in hygiene school, we did not learn case acceptance. Right. I, I agree. I feel like at my hygiene school, um, it was the same fee, no matter if you needed a profi or if you needed four quads of scaling with um, a rest in. So I definitely did not feel comfortable talking about um, fees and treatment with my patients once I entered the real world. Exactly. And that's the thing is we believe in a lot of those things that we do, which is great. But to be able to vocalize it in a way and use the right verbiage to get case acceptance is completely different. So today we're going to talk about some skills and some strategies to help you become, you know, more comfortable with when it, when it comes to this. So first of all, let's just talk about overall verbiage, right? Um, something I've learned at the scheduling Institute is verbiage is key in the way it's set up and said. So when we think about case acceptance, first of all, you got to remember patients don't work in a clinical mind. And what I mean by that is they don't understand a lot of the terms that we use. So one of the biggest things I'll, uh, that I see it, and Ali, you've probably seen it too, is our perception on what verbiage is. For example, if you have a one surface restoration that needs to be done, I hear dentists all the time say, you have a little feeling to do. You heard that? Yes. Okay. So the problem with that is the patient thinks that a little filling doesn't need to be taken care of, but as we know, cavities are a disease and it should be taken out. And to a dentist, uh, a one surface filling is a small cavity, a four surface filling is a large cavity, but to a patient, a cavity is a cavity. So we, we got to be careful not to de degrade the value of what we do as providers. And I will also say, Doug, too, that we use words like little. Um, patients are expecting a little fee for that. Right. Um, so I think, too, that that goes with we don't know what is what a patient thinks is um, a small amount of money or a large amount of money. But when we use words like that, we are setting up in their mind for um, maybe something that's not really accurate either. Exactly. And that's that's a good point that you brought up. Uh, first of all, in case acceptance, we can't judge people on how much money they have or don't have. It's our job to present the, the case and let them decide. And if we think a thousand dollar crown is a lot and we project it as such, then it is going to sound like it is a lot of money. And to that patient, a thousand dollars, they may be a multimillionaire and a thousand dollars is a penny to them, you know? So we, we can't let what well, our thoughts about our patients or our thoughts about um, how we treat money or um, any type of monetary value dictate what we're talking to our patients about either. Exactly. And one thing that we got to remember is that case acceptance, a big part of this is comfort. And most people now choose their dentist depending on their, on their comfort level. It's, it's not how close they are. It's not uh, if they accept their insurance, it's really how good they feel to be there. And so when we present our treatment 
and they trust us, that's, that's all part of case acceptance and using the right verbiage. And we'll go into that in a little bit. But um, one thing we've got to remember is hygienists are very, very, very trusted by patients. Allie, how, how, what percentage of people trust their hygienists? So I would say that around 80% of patients trust their hygienist and want to know what their hygienist recommends for them mm -hmm. um, because we are the professionals. And so patients do, they are coming for us to know recommend um, and they, they want to hear that from us as well. Yes, exactly. And what about assistants? Are assistants trusted, assistants trusted more or less than hygienists? So actually, Doug, the assistants are the most trusted um, person in the office. And surprisingly, the dentists are the least trusted in the office. Mm -hmm. Most patients think that the dentist is just wanting money because majority of the times they, they are the owner of the practice. So a lot of patients, I mean, I'm sure all of, you've heard it and listeners have heard it too, that patients are like, oh, we're paying for his new car. Or we're paying for her, her vacation. And so patients just think doctors are in it or the money. Um, but really assistants are the most trusted because they spend the most one-on-one -on -one time with, with our patients. Um, if doctor has to step out and do a hygiene check, um, they're sitting in their one-on-one -on -one alone time, just able to have conversations with patients. And a lot of times patients are asking Asking, asking the assistants, do you really think I need, or what would you do if you were me? So assistants play a really big role in case acceptance um, and should remember that they are the most trusted in the office too. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a neutral party, right? Right. Um, so what would you recommend, if there's any assistants listening, what would you recommend assistants do when patients are coming in for treatment? So I would just make sure that they are welcoming the patient and, and thanking them for coming into the office. Um, it's also just really important that patients are confident when talking to patients about treatment. Um, but then too, when they're dismissing the patient or taking them to check out to, to congratulate the patient for, for getting treatment done um, and just making sure that they made the correct choice, the smart choice to, to do the treatment that was recommended by our office. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think that um, assistants at a lot of times don't realize how important it is that they, that whatever they say, patients are believing. Right. right. And I think, I think too, I was just at a training today with an office and the assistants had, had no idea that they were the most trusted. Um, but that's why it's also so important that, that the office is all on the same page on um, what doctor would diagnose using correct verbiage, using consistent verbiage, just because patients, um, they want to know what we're recommending. And if we're all on the same page, preheating the patient for what doctor is going to be recommending for treatment, it makes the case acceptance a lot easier. And from a hygiene standpoint, or assistant standpoint, it cuts down on exam times by a lot. If, if we've already set the doctor up for success, just to come in and, and confirm diagnosis. We got the comfort level from, from the, from the hygienist or the assistants, and then the doctors come in with the authority and confirming that diagnosis. So yes, you want to know the secret sauce guys. That's it. That's what, that's what you need to know. Now, as far as, um, as far as, you, you know, the verbiage with this case acceptance, we have to remember that, like I said before, like I was talking about little cavities, that we got to be careful with what um, what we say clinically doesn't always come out to what the patient understands. So, you know, not using the word little or just, or, you know, I hear dentists all the time, they'll do exams and they'll get up and they'll say, hey, well, everything looks great. 
And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it looks great because as a hygienist, I just clean their teeth. So of course it looks great. <laughs> but to a patient, if everything looks great, then why does that patient need to come back? You know, what looks great? Right. Well, there's and no need for any restorative work. That's what's great, you know, for example. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I was guilty of this when I was practicing too. And I know for sure the doctors that I worked for, we were all guilty of this. And it's just being aware that you're doing it and just having um, accountability for yourself and your team members like to, to point it out so we can all improve um, because we want what's best for the office and to make sure that we are all on the same page. So, and then something that we got to think about too is, you know, a lot of providers think, well, I just feel bad telling them that they need this treatment. And we have to get that out of our mindset. You know, everything we do in dentistry is a benefit to the patient. I mean, Allie, can you think of any dental treatment that would be worth waiting on? No, but I, I was very guilty of this when I first started mm -hmm. practicing hygiene, because like I said earlier, I never talked about price or anything in hygiene school, but it, it did take a while for me to understand that what I'm doing is a benefit to my patient. And I'm not, we are preventative care providers. So I need to be preventing disease. I need to be preventing as much as I can for my patients. But if, if there's something already there, you can't prevent it if it's already present. So I, that was a big um, game changer in my mindset, feeling more comfortable talking to patients about perio or any type of diagnosis for them. Exactly. Everything we do helps them, you know, to a state of, of wellness in, in sense. So we should never feel bad about what we recommend for them. We should never let insurance dictate what we recommend for them. In fact, insurance isn't even really insurance in my mind. It's more of a coupon program, but see, patients don't even understand that part of it. And so you got to remember when you hear stuff like from patients, uh, well, I only want it if my insurance covers it. That's, that's not, it's not a very strong argument for a patient because it's, it's not that they don't want it because of insurance. It's because we haven't built enough value in what it is. If we built the value, they'd pay for it. I mean, you know, fluoride, they should be on fluoride. Yes, their insurance doesn't cover it. But, um, you know, my Geico insurance doesn't cover my oil changes, but yet I still have car insurance, right? <laughs> so we got to remember that insurance should not dictate what we believe is the right value for the patient. It's what, what our responsibility is, is to educate them and make sure they understand the risks, which are the, is the value behind what we do. What does the patient stand to lose and what does the patient stand to gain by not doing this? And we have to remember that a lot of these patients, I mean, they're only in, in our office two hours every year. So in order to build value, we have to make sure that when they're coming in, that's what we're talking about. What is, what is their treatment plan? What do they need to be doing? Because when they leave us, they got about a hundred other things to worry about. Right. And I like to think of it too, as if I'm, we take for granted in a dental office all the time. We, we forget that patients have fears coming to the dentist or they may not understand why everything's so important to get done. But if you think about it, if you're going to um, your dermatologist, I, I have no clue what my dermatologist is talking about, but if they provide enough value, I would do any, any procedure, do any type of product that they would recommend to me if I knew it was going to prevent me from getting skin cancer or anything like that too. So, so just think of it too, if we were, if you were going to another medical provider, what would you want to be explained to you? And that's how we have to think about it for our patients because they only come see us twice a year, maybe three times a year. Um, and it, it can be scary. And sometimes we um, aren't creating value for what we recommend for our patients. I think you brought up a really good point, you know, and next time I go into a medical provider, that's what I'm going to think about is what is it that they're trying to get me to do? 
and what's the verbiage that they're using and does it make sense to me? So yeah, we have to be careful that we use the right verbiage that patients understand, meaning <laughs> things like, you know, exudate's a cool word guys, but it's pus, right? So it's, <laughs> say it's, it's pus to them. You know, these words we have to use so they understand what's going on. And I think it's really important too that patients before they leave, they have to understand the risks if they don't do it. If they don't want to schedule, we should ask them, you know, do you, do you understand the risks if you don't go through with the treatment or if you don't schedule or whatever it is? I want them to own up to it and, and, and accept that, yeah, I do know the risks because too many times patients come in and they go, well, no one ever told me it was this bad. Yeah, you know, you probably were told that, but what we've found is that when patients are about to leave and they're checking out that last 10 minutes of your profi or so mentally, they've, they've already moved on and they're just going through the motions of going, yeah, 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 yeah. That's my next appointment. Da, 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 da. And they don't even realize that this, this treatment plan or what we're talking about. Um, Ali, did you ever feel that way with patients that they're just going through the motions at the end? Yes. And, and to, on the other side of me being a patient now, I for sure know that patients are checked out um, the last 10 minutes. They're just waiting to see if they're going to get back to work on time, if they're going to make it um, in time to go stop and grab lunch on their way back to the office, or um, if they bring their kids, their kids are getting um, irritated by the end of, of the 60 minute mm -hmm. visit as well. So patients for sure are not, not paying attention at the end, but that's also why it's so important that we, we need to bring them in and co-diagnose and bring them into every point of the, of the visit that we can, just so we, they are aware of what's going on and to that they are paying attention for the entire visit. Exactly. Love it. I think that about kind of sums it up. Uh, just remember everybody to, to uh, think about, you know, the words that you're using, do they make sense to the patient? Remember that they trust you. They trust the assistance. Um, what else there, Allie? Am I missing here? No, I think, I think we covered it all, Doug. And I think it's just to making sure the whole office is on the same page. We all are working towards the same goal of, of taking care of our, be the best care of our patients that we can. And just remembering that, that we're all a team and we, we want our patients to accept treatment because that means that our patients are, are getting healthier. I mean, everything you, we do, it benefits another human being and it's, it's a great field to be in. So we should never feel bad about telling them that they need treatment when, when we know it's going to help them get better and lead to wellness, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, everybody out there, we, uh, you know, Allie and I hope that we come by and see your office and we can talk more about this, about more case acceptance. And we hope that this podcast uh, gives you some quick insights on how you can become better and get more case acceptance with your patients. So until then, we will see you guys later. Bye.